Hi everyone! This is your host Harmit, and you're listening to Tobin Talks. Hi everyone! Thank you so much for tuning into Tobin Talks today. I'm your host Harmit, and today we'll be presenting some double interviews. We'll hear from two U of M professors who were on Clarivate's highly cited researchers list. Then we'll talk to the U of M women's assistant hockey coach about the season so far and the team's hopes looking forward to playoffs. Lastly, we'll hear from illustrator GMB Chamachuk and photographer Joey Seft about their upcoming musical cinema seance, Love You to Death, and just in time for Valentine's Day too. So, first up, we have Research and Tech Reporter Robert, speaking with U of M professors George Sinell and Frank Schweizer. Their publications have been widely referenced over the past 10 years and are amongst the top 1% of their fields of study. I guess we'll go in alphabetical order. Dr. Schweitzer, how many articles have you written? So yeah, as it stands at the moment, it's about approximately 140 or over 140 articles. And, you know, these are all, uh, most of these articles are, um, you know, on on approaches to development of of novel antibacterials to, to fight or to combat uh, bacterial resistance in a way. You know, numbers at times are kind of misleading because... Uh, some of Dr. Schweitzer's articles, they are unbelievably lengthy and thorough. Some of our articles are much shorter than his, so numerically, sometimes it's misleading. We've published uh, with and without Dr. Schweitzer a total of somewhere around 400 articles. But I think, you know, comparing 140 and 400 can be misleading because when you're publishing within an area of chemical synthesis, and uh, analysis. Some of these articles that he has are unbelievably detailed. Some of ours are much less detailed. So the numbers are what they are, but at times you have to kind of look at the area. Our research program is kind of in two areas. One is also dealing with infections caused by antimicrobial resistant pathogens. And we do everything from surveillance and diagnostics we study cellular and molecular mechanisms of resistance, but a real focus is on treatment and prevention. And that's where Dr. Schweitzer and I overlap. We're very interested in studying existing antimicrobials, new antimicrobials. And then uh, Frank has, his team is designing uh, brand new molecules, whether it's standalone molecules or adjuvants. Many of these compounds he calls hybrids. But where we really overlap is being interested in studying antimicrobials, new antimicrobials, synthesizing and testing antimicrobials that are effective or active against multi-drug resistant, extremely drug resistant, and what we call pan-drug resistant, meaning pathogens resistant to everything that's on the market today. PDR, pan, pan means everything. Now, what? Types of people normally cite your research, or is it mostly in the same field as you? Or I would answer this question in a way, you know, that that my articles, most of our articles, focus on you know um, novel molecules and 
And in, in, you know the, the the preclinical stage of of drug discovery, or the, the first stage in a way. So I see that you know many of our papers are cited, or my papers are cited by you know by people who work also in in this field. You know, medicinal chemistry, pharmacology, academic research group, but also industrial research group. You know, uh, chemists who are interested in developing novel antibacterials, bringing bringing novel antibacterials to the market. So, you know, it, it's diverse. It's not just, you know, it's either chemists, chemists, microbiologists, pharmacologists, biologists, you know. So these are, you know, these typically were, were you know, you had an impact. They, they, they like your idea and then they want to follow up how, how you, how you, how do you basically proceed and, and so on. And what's, what's the progress you made over the years and things like that. Robert, I'm going to get into this more because this is going to be a, one of our big themes, which is really, I think, the focus of what today are. We published together kind of two different categories of articles. One category of articles are research papers that talk about design and development of new antimicrobials that have activity against resistant strains. And those get cited by everything that Dr. Schweitzer said. And his theme there was these can be university researchers they can be industry researchers, they can be uh, from biotech, they can be from governments, clinicians access uh, those papers. But then we also published the second category of papers. And what we've been doing for a long time is, and I'm going to say over 20 years, is every year we choose an antimicrobial or class of antibiotics that we feel are on the cusp of coming into the market and having a really, really important role to play internationally in treating patients. And what we do is we choose to write on them when they're investigational, meaning they haven't been approved by Health Canada or FDA or the European Medicines Agency. They're not in the market, but we really think that they're going to be really, really important in the future. And what we do the cool thing is we hire a summer student, and this has been going on for, you know, 25 years. We typically hire a third or a fourth year pharmacy student who knows something about, a little bit about chemistry. They know a little bit about microbiology. They know a little bit about pharmacology and pharmacokinetics. They know a little bit about clinical trials. And then what we do is that student will work with me. And then a cadre of authors, Dr. Schweitzer, and eight to 10 other authors who are experts in an area, microbiology, pharmacokinetics, clinical trials, adverse effects, chemistry. And then we spend six months as a team, 10 people, including this student, working together to write a world-class review on an antibiotic that we think is going to be really important in the years to come. And it is the most comprehensive review article that exists on that antibiotic. And we publish it in the best, one of the best journals in the world for review papers. It's an Addis Press journal out of uh, Auckland, New Zealand called uh, Drugs. And this is a publication that is read by everyone around the world who is interested in a new antibiotic. Chemists, microbiologists, pharmacologists, 
intensive care unit physicians, infectious diseases specialists, industry people, university people. It is unbelievably widely read, and it gets cited by anyone and everyone who's interested in antibiotics. And these review articles that we put, you know, it's a half a year of work by pretty high power people. And Frank and I lead this and he uh, gets uh, a summer student who helps draw chemical figures. Like it's a big, big deal. And these types of large reviews are unbelievably cited and reviewed by everyone in the world. And we've been doing those together for a long time. Those are literally cited, Robert, by anyone and everyone in our area, out of our area. It's whoever's interested in antibiotics. Yeah, and we've done well to publish those. I think that's uh, that's been high impact. And say I end up doing research. Can I say, okay, my goal is to become the world's most cited researcher. Is that something that you can actually, like, a goal that you can accomplish? Or is it just something that happens naturally as a result of all the hard work that you've put in? So, Robert, I'm going to give you my own opinion. I don't think either one of those happens. <laughs> I think what happens is... You know, the way we were trained and mentored by really wonderful people who took interest in us, you know, for me many years ago, one of my most important mentors, a guy named Dr. Alan Ronald, who's uh, still, you know, he's, I think, 88 years old and he's still working uh, in Africa. He said the most important part of research is you have to ask the right questions. So he would always say the toughest part is, you know, what's the question? What is the relevant question? The important question that needs to be asked here, once you do that, then you go about the business of answering, and that is putting your thoughts on paper, you know, uh, writing a big grant like Dr. Schweitzer has written so many, getting money from CIHR or NSERC or some sort of agency. Then you got to hire the right people. One thing that makes him unbelievably famous is he hires the top graduate students, it seems like, across the world. You know, I'm fortunate enough to be on their advisory committees helping, and he brings in some of the best grad students and postdocs from all over the world, and he charges them to answer these questions, uh, gives them the money to do it in terms of disposables and uh, salaries, and then you answer it. And then the, the key is you got to write this stuff up. you got to present it at the best conferences. You have to publish it in really, really good journals. And then the other thing that he said, which is really important, is that this takes decades, right? It, uh, uh, I think everyone out there is trying to ask the right questions. I think we're all trying to do good quality research, but I don't think anyone says, I'm going to go with the goal of being the most uh, cited uh, researcher. I, I don't think that really happens, and I don't think that's a goal. You work really hard. You have a lot of fun along the way. You publish a bunch of papers, then all of a sudden something like this happens and you kind of sit back like Frank and I did and say, whoa, how did that happen? That's fantastic. Finally, I guess after 20 years, someone's reading what we do. I think that's how it goes. Frank, you want to add something to that? When we started, this award was not available. <laughs> Nobody, you know, it was unknown in a way. And it's just basically because all the metrics nowadays, um, you know, it has become, you know, there are a lot of people who think, you know, well, you know, this is not doesn't really do the, the right job and 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 as a kind of in a way, but you know you know they're, they're trying to work hard on it and 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 getting rid of some of these you know over interpretation of self citations and things like that in a way. But you know I think it's respectable and uh, it's it's gaining I guess reputation. It's my understanding in a way that I see it. 
Thanks, Robert. Up next, sports editor Josh is speaking with U of M women's hockey assistant coach Jordy Zacharias about the team's season so far and what hopes they have for playoffs. First off, just how do you feel the season's gone so far? of our approach to our system play and so um, coming into this year we started off kind of on a rougher patch we played UBC our very first weekend in UBC which they're number one in the country so it mm-hmm. uh, wasn't the best team to, to start off against felt like we've been growing ever since and yeah. now we're just at the point where it's trying to string you know games together back to back where we can play consistently throughout we'll have glimpses of really, really strong play of what we're we're striving to get to. And then now we're just working to try and, like I said, yeah, string them together so that, you know, Friday and Saturdays look very similar. How can you develop that consistency? I think with our group, we're still a very young team, which is probably said a lot about us uh, over the last couple of years. And at what point are we an older team? But for them, it's, it's still with that COVID year. Uh, and, you know, maybe not playing as much in their first couple of years. I think it just comes with, with volume for them in certain situations, whether it's, you know, we're down by a goal and we're coming back, which we did against Mount Royal. We won two double overtime games, which is huge growth for our team a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so just being able to play in different uh, positions in the game, whether, you know, we're up by one, we're down by one, it's a blowout, however it might look, putting ourselves in those positions at home and on the road to uh, become more comfortable. Mm-hmm. In terms of yourself, personally, what what makes you proud to be a coach of this team? Yeah, I think being able to bring uh, not only a female presence, but also an alumni. I graduated uh, from the team in 2020. So I think I'm proud to bring uh, some relatability to them, and I hope they trust my word in some regard, having been there uh, not that long ago. And uh, that female presence, someone that they can go to for everything with hockey and outside of hockey as well. Mm Mm-hmm. What would you say the strengths of your team are, and then maybe some weaknesses? I'd say our strengths would probably be our ability to, you know, follow our system play. Sometimes we get a little bit out of structure, but for the most part, the girls have done a really good job with trusting the process that we've put in place uh, with regards to our system. And then I think in terms of weaknesses, is just being a little bit frantic with the puck, like I said last and just having them believe that they are a really good team and that they can they can believe in that game in and game out is something that we're still working toward. Yeah. So as a coach, how how can you contribute to like developing a sense of team unity and like chemistry? Yeah. And I, th- I think one of the biggest things that we've been trying to implement there is is honesty in terms of the team unity piece and being able to have conversations and be honest with each other, hold each other accountable for whatever the standard is that they want. We're a very player-driven team um, in that we want them to be able to make their own choices and come up with their own decisions. So having that honesty creates trust and uh, strong relationships between each other. Um, so from the top bottom, that comes from us um, believing in them and having trust in them and hopefully that they reciprocate that not only with us, but with each other so that when they're on the ice, they trust each other to do each other's job and and build that uh, confidence there yeah yeah definitely okay so you're you're playing trinity this weekend i Mm. think they're three points ahead of you guys right now for the last playoff spot yeah 
So, and if you sweep them, then you'll you'll move into that final spot. Do you think the team will play with some extra motivation this weekend, knowing they could get into the playoffs? Yeah, I think every game from here on out is going to be kind of not necessarily a do or die situation, but something's going to be on the line. Um, and this weekend, especially if this would be these two teams, we both have something to really play for. I think that the advantage for us is we still have four more games after this, and I think they only have two. I think they have two games in hand with us. They have a bye in the last weekend, so I think that playing them this weekend, if we can get you know majority of the points, if not all, then that puts us in a really good spot um, for our next two weekends. It also just brings some uphill energy going into those weekends as well. I believe that our five-on-five play against this team can really show if, if the girls stick kind of to the plan by the way that we did against Mount Royal a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I can't see it being an issue um, for them, but you never know what'll happen. So you think you have a, a distinct five-on-five advantage? I think so. I think Trinity has a couple of really strong individual players um, that they rely really heavily on um, naturally, and so five on five, I think that we can we have enough depth in our lineup to be able to compete with them, and then just hoping that we don't, you know, take too many penalties maybe we have in the past, or, or vice versa, end up in more of a special team um, battle where some of those individual players can, can shine a little bit more. Right. Yeah. So staying out of the box would be a big um, focus for the weekend. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Sounds good. What what would it mean for the coaching staff and the players to make the playoffs? Yeah, I think, you know, last year uh, we actually placed quite well uh, with fourth and had an early exit. And so maybe that was a bit of a learning experience for us. And this year we've had to fight and claw for every, for every game and every win. I think we've lost five games this year just by one goal. So I think it would mean a lot in terms of growth for this team um, and for the coaches, seeing that the process that we're putting in is starting to show um, would be would be really interesting. What What's your ultimate goal for the season? For the season? I think right now I'm just thinking about the games ahead. So our ultimate goal would to be able to, you know, get a majority of our points over the next three weekends and build that, that upward momentum so that we can get into the playoffs and hopefully make it challenging on other teams arts and culture reporter Damien and his discussion with GMB Chamachuk and Joey Sevt about their upcoming and very unique event, Love You to Death. What exactly is Love You to Death? Love You to Death is a musical cinema seance where we're bringing a number of different art forms back to life what does that entail like what does that look like how do you it seems kind of like this big thing how do you put it in a venue such as the like park theater well step one is we took well step one is getting a whole bunch of talented artists who have who are very good at what they do and then getting them to combine their skills into something that they haven't done before, which is, yeah, you know. But what we mean by it is we found three films 
Metropolis, Nosferatu, and Bride of Frankenstein. Chopped them up, re-edited them. I directed them to down to 20-minute sets, basically a short film that could then have its soundtrack played live by a set of musicians. Wow. And we cherry-picked four musicians from four different, very well-known, I think, Winnipeg bands and, and communities to build like a a secret band that could perform live to these. Each member of the band is embodying one of the characters within the film, and that is how they are bringing their voice to the film live while you watch their silent movies where the soundtrack will be live. But in order to bring it to life, you have to pass through a seance. People who arrive at the event are going to be asked to choose a card. And that card is going to contain some element of fate that is going to guide them through the rest of the event. Wow. We dug up an undead character who is also going to be present, who is going to whisper people's fates to them if they are brave enough to sit in a portrait of Joey and the monster. And then uh, Cal Barteski, who is going to be our brush with fate, is also going to script those fates for them to take away. So the night is set up to be short film, visit a monster, watch another short film with live music, visit the seance, short film with music, visit the monster. People can move around and explore it. It's not something where you just sit and just passively let it happen and then Instagram your friends. This is something where, like, if you're not there, you missed out, and there's really no way to explain how it all happened unless you're there to walk through it. Like an interactive, like attendees are expected to interact with it. Well, expectation is 100% consent-oriented. Of course, of course. don't have to participate with any element. If you want to be passive and just watch it all happen, there's a place for you. If you want to be active and, like, sit with the monster and talk with the monster and figure out your future from a group of revealed women at the crystal ball. You could do that too. But if you want to just come and observe the event, it's going to be happening around you. You can just watch some movies, drink a beer that Sucrum's made a special label beer for us. I love you to death brand. You can enjoy the park theater in its new renovated, beautiful state. Fine. But if you want to come and participate in something weird and one of a kind one night only i would say you should come on down there's like a lot of themes here obviously with both death and tarot and fate and seances it leads kind of into my next question was what was the inspiration like why like love first of all and why death like why combine those two things did you start out that way? Was it originally the setup going to be similar idea with cinema and dying art forms, but a different theme? Or was it always going to be what it was? Well, it's the theme of a short film project that I, that Joey and I kind of hatched together. And this event gives us the ability to test all of those constituent parts in a way that gets all the artists paid and gets everyone sort of in a dress rehearsal mode and puts an audience. Art is completed by the audience. So to know if it works, you have to have the audience there. And so before we run away and make a film with these constraints, we thought we would present three great works of art, Metropolis, Nosferatu, and yeah. Bride of 
in a like good parts version. You know, a modern audience maybe would have trouble sitting for the length of those films. So we've made them, we've re-edited them into a new story, which is a theme central to all three films, right? That love is both powerful and dangerous. Okay. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, definitely with Valentine's Day coming out, uh, which I thought was so dope, by and the way. Valentine's Day, event, we think of it as. Yeah, right. love is the most powerful, wonderful thing there is, but it's also can be the most, you know, you get blinded by it, you get tricked by it, you get destroyed by it as often as you are elevated by it. And we wanted to be able to present that other side. of it. What are you looking forward to and what do you hope attendees walk away with? So what you're looking forward to and what do you hope that people will walk away with from this event? Other than it being incredible, obviously. Well, for me, a sense of mystery that everything that that it will be greater than the sum of its parts. They won't understand how it could have happened at what they thought was just a regular music night. I want them to be surprised by what they discover at our event. So much of modern day now is everyone knows everything. Everyone's read everything. You've mm-hmm. double checked on the internet. There are a few surprises left when you go places. One of the places there is a surprise left will be at our event. My answer would be just bringing out a totally different audience because it's going to be kind of a mishmash of people because it's going to bring out sort of the comic scene it's going to bring out music scene film buffs like it's just something that's reimagined like i like collaborating with people that brings you kind of a new idea and a new way of experiencing an event where you get to be interactive and hear something different that you don't always get a chance to do and with people not coming out for COVID reasons and everything, this basically makes you come out because you're not going to get to see it again. You, you've got one chance. That's it. Yeah, it, it, it definitely sounds like an event that is you have to be there or you won't experience it, as you said. And it also kind of reminds me a bit of the Victorian era and its obsession with seances and the occult and kind of just like a group of people getting together and being like, let's eat a mummy, let's summon God. Yes, that's definitely the the feeling we're going for. But to remind people that when people went in search of ghosts in the Victorian era, what they were actually in search of was something bigger than themselves. Artists have known forever that there's a world bigger than themselves that they're making. Mm-hmm. And they just have to share it. And so that's the feeling that we're trying to create, is that there's a bigger world if people are willing to come together and use their imagination. Not the world that others are promising, but the one they can make for themselves. Sometimes if you want to have that magical feeling that everything is weird and wonderful, you just have to make that event yourself. And so that is what we're after. You're putting, you're taking it into your own hands. You're making it yourself. Stop waiting for someone else to do something cool. So I said, Joey, let's make something cool.
Love You to Death will happen at the Park Theater on February 16th from 8 to 11 p.m. More information can be found on the Park Theater's website. Just a reminder that if you ever have any suggestions or feedback for people who you'd like to see on the podcast, if you'd like to be on the podcast, if you want to send in any of your poetry, short stories, any of those types of things, please email me at audio at themanitobin.com. You can find Tobin Talks Thursdays at 1130 on 101.5 FM radio, which is UMFM radio, and you can listen to us anytime on all of your podcast streaming services, such as Spotify and Apple Podcasts. That's it for today, and we'll see you on the next episode of Tobin Talks.